The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to Keep It. I'm Louis Fertel. Speaking first, is this like a historic moment for the podcast? I've done it before. It's not historic at all. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Ira Madison III, uh, and I have an apology to everybody. Oh, thank God. We've all been waiting. Go ahead. Well, I mean, this is so wild, but like, you know, an innocent celebration from my mom's milestone 60th birthday has turned into this absurd political statement which was not my intention <laughs> um i want everyone to stop making assumptions much love to everyone happy birthday mom this is a reference to sydney sweeney of everyone's favorite deeply dark show euphoria who had to come out on social media to i guess she posted pictures with family members and they weren't wearing MAGA hats and then her brother posted pictures and certain people were wearing MAGA hats. Is that correct? And a Blue Lives Matter shirt. Oh, which is just one of my favorite things because, you know, <laughs> Blue Lives Matter. That's among the most obnoxious statements I've ever heard. Moving on, obviously. It's like, I get that, it. But you really love Dick Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they would just say that. Yeah. Mariska representation. Um <laughs> But uh, uh, no, I mean, my takeaway from the situation was Sydney Sweeney is so beloved. It is front page news that she might even know somebody uncool. I think my takeaway from it was, does this girl have a publicist? Right. It felt like she handled it all on her own. And the, I love the other commentary that came up from it that always happens when something like this happens. Basically... She was photographed with her racist relatives. Yeah. People made jokes about it. And then it turned into this commentary that, what is she supposed to do? Shoot all of her racist family members? And I'm like, <laughs> one, she could. <laughs> it's on the table. That's right. And yeah. two, the other thing is, it was just funny. Yeah, uh, you could say that. I some mean, things you, are some funny. Something's no, but funny. I, I, she obviously is obligated to respond in some way at that point. It's not true. It's obviously not just funny. And not, not everybody is coming at her with the perspective of this is just funny. <laughs> I will say the other option is don't post photos of your relatives wearing Blue Lives Matter shirts. Uh, which I, I'm sorry. It, it's such a hideous statement. I'm literally laughing talking about it. Anyway, we can move on from Sydney Sweeney. Much, <laughs> uh, even though she is a an uh, Emmy nominee, like everybody involved with White Lotus, down to like the Dolly Grip. <laughs> uh, anyway, girl, get your publicist to work, and because um, I'm pretty sure I am a hundred percent sure. I'm positive. We all know there are plenty of white celebrities with relatives. Who would be wearing the same thing? Do you think that they're busy running around putting photos of them on the internet? 
Right. But again, it wasn't her that posted it. It was her brother, right? Yeah. But you know what? You're a celebrity at this point. You need to tell your brother, absolutely not. Right. I see. Be your People own put gag orders on their weddings. Do you see that J-Lo was just angry that someone um, sold the video of her singing her brand new song to Ben Affleck at their wedding to TMZ? No. Did this just happen? Yeah. Because the video that leaked of her singing a song to him uh, was apparently sold to TMZ by um, someone who attended. Wait, and it's like a song she plans to release on her next album? Yes. J-Lo, that's tacky. (laughs) Mind you, do you know what else is fucking tacky? This other J-Lo story that's been floating around about how she allegedly kicked all the Virgos out of some dance audition for her. This is a story that circulated because... um, Heather Morris from Glee said on uh, our friend Justin Martindale's podcast that there was some audition J-Lo held. It went all day, as these auditions do. And at the end, she said, pardon me, are there any Virgos here? And they raised their hands and she like smiled and said, sorry, you have to leave. And I have to say, obviously, I, I not only do I not like the Zodiac, I hate the Zodiac. I hate that it comes up. Isn't like Virgo like the most innocuous of all the symbols? She's a Leo, though. Okay, like but like, uh, they're not like our enemy, are they? I'm a Leo too. Listen, I think it's iconic celebrity behavior. <laughs> and I have a counter to that. Which is? Your, your queen, Madonna. Right. A few years ago, it came out, she's never worked with David Guetta before. Because she notoriously does not work with Scorpios. As okay, a Leo. Well, Madonna, Madonna, okay, I, I say this as a fan. <laughs> Needs to be shoved in a room and locked up. I say this. It would help and everybody. Art, and don't Madonna and J-Lo share many personality traits? In my opinion, J-Lo usually wants to be as dementedly interesting as Madonna and rarely actually finds a way to do it. So that they would have this in common, I guess I'm happy for the both of them. What I didn't believe about the story was that J-Lo was fascinating for a second and she's one of the most aggressively banal celebrities we've ever had. <laughs> all right well you were singing a di- you <laughs> i were actually do a- like her music a lot i do like her music a lot you were yeah. singing a different tune in the pit at all i have in vegas no i had like animaniac size in that <laughs> pit i was absolutely thrilled to be there actually it was like that Katy perry experience in vegas you realize oh not only do i like all of her songs heard live and with the proper you know visuals attached it's my national anthem every single one of them All of them, especially on the floor, which manages to be the national anthem for every country and one continent. That's right. (laughs) Right. Brazil, Morocco, and then also Africa. Not a country, (laughs) just Africa. (laughs) Yeah, she really was like, I'm going to I'm just going to grab the whole continent right here. Uh, I my favorite J-Lo song is actually feeling so good whenever that one comes. That to me feels like the most like. If she had leaned into that vibe as an artist more often, I think she would have more of a signature sound. But as it stands, she sort of just weaves between genres and occasionally does something Spanish language. I'm, I'm still waiting for like a signature J-Lo moment to occur musically. Mm. That's fair. I still think it's the Jenny from the Block video. Lots going on in that video. Her signature is she's famous and she sings. Wait, did I, t- can I, wait, have I ever told you this about Jenny, Jenny from the Block? When I was in high school, so I had a clandestine high school romance with the kid who lived down the street, like uh, a Wonder Years situation, if you will. 
and mm-hmm. he he was like this sort of um soft spoken kind of poetic but like I don't want to say damaged, but something wasn't quite right. At any rate, Jenny from the block came on. We were both in the car and he, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is so funny. I'm laughing already. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, go, he goes, oh my God, I'm sorry. It's so funny. I'm laughing. Um, he says, no, when she says, don't be fooled by the rocks that I got, does she mean her burdens? And I said, no, it's jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> The rocks were her burdens. I mean, it was like some, it was some psychological insight I didn't need at that moment. The oh Sissy my god! Of the pop yeah. uh, <laughs> world. I, I, every once in a while, I still like am like going through what he could have been thinking, like what burdens J Lo was going through that she was displacing them in this song. Anyway, oh. did you end things with him after that? I, I mean, it, it was barely it, it was barely a relationship. It, it, it never began with, but. Um, no, I, I haven't spoken to that person in 20 years. <laughs> oh, well, he's hearing this now. Maybe. I guess. No, if he were listening to this, it would be simply mind-blowing. But <laughs> I'm going to think about that forever now. <laughs> no, her burdens. When would rocks ever mean burdens? <laughs> no, he invented in a, a complete subtext based on no clues. Imagine if Veronica Mars was just bad. That's what he was. Uh, like, you know who I think it was? Jack the Ripper. You know, whatever. He probably went on to write for Spin. Uh, potentially. Uh, yeah. As you know, you've called me a spin writer once or twice, too. So that would put us in the same boat. Mm. Um, that's just my go-to insult for white people these days. <laughs> I was just thinking about, do you know what my favorite thing white people have ever done um, is name themselves India? I was just watching a movie with a lead female character named India. Guys, where did we get this idea? India and Imogen. Imogen. Well, but that's just like we're getting into CAPTCHA names at that point. But which has which has come around more lately. Uh if there's a character named Imogen on Pretty Little Liars. Um I just I hear the name a lot and I'm like, I thought we were past the like Imogen Heap era. Well, um, I assume these people were named after Imogen Heap. Yeah, probably. You know what I mean? But like, uh, and uh, the movie I'm talking about, by the way, is Mr. and Mrs. Bridge with Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, in which she is sensational. The movie looks amazing. It's Merchant Ivory, and it is so pleasantly dull. You won't find a more pleasantly dull movie. Mm, when's it come out? <laughs> oh yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's a blockbuster. It's like Bullet Train. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get into our actual episode. Should we? Uh, okay. This week, speaking of movies that are not even out yet, but everyone is talking about it. Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry, Darling. I cannot believe the tentacles this story has grown over the past week. It goes one direction, then you see a clip of the movie, then you hear what Florence Pugh's up to. Keeps going. I I still believe Warner Brothers is pushing any and every scandal about this movie into the forefront because they are only releasing two movies this year. And it oh, is right. Don't Worry Darling and Black Adam. And have you seen the trailer for Black Adam? No. Good. <laughs> the marketing's working. Stay away. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get into all the drama surrounding that. Uh, and Olivia Wilde and Shia LaBeouf and Florence Pugh and more. And then also, the VMA has happened. Or Which... 
once upon a time, I was like the authority on the VMAs. I think I can still tell you most of the winners of uh, video of the year off the top of my head. I did not know these were occurring until seconds before they occurred. So, LOL. And I did watch them, though. I love a surprise award show where you're just Maybe hanging out. Maybe that's the out. best type. Yeah. yeah. Where you're just hanging mm-hmm. out. You check Twitter. And then you start seeing red carpet arrival photos. And you're like, where are they going? <laughs> Yeah, it's like the Billboard Awards, my favorite <laughs> award show, where they're like, guess who was on a chart today that has nothing to do with voting? We just literally pointed to the top of the chart and then gave that person a trophy. I think my favorite is the Critics' Choice Awards. Oh, why? They're just so funny, the concept. <laughs> oh, yeah. Th- th- yeah, the critics are taking hold. <laughs> what about taste? The What About Taste Awards? Which ostensibly... The Golden Globes are also the Critics' Choice Awards, except they're the Foreign Critic Awards. Right. And also, the the critics don't have to be accredited in any way, and several of them died, but somehow they're still voting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we'll get into that. And, I mean, keep it as a place for legends, okay? Yeah. Woof. Say it, Gia. Um... Jennifer Lewis joins us today. The Mother of Black Hollywood. And she has a book called The Mother of Black Hollywood, but she's here promoting another book. We love her on I Love That for You on Showtime, have loved her historically on Blackish and in, frankly, most movies. As in, she is in probably 70% of film. I love hearing you say Mother of Black Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the mother of pink, white Hollywood? That's my color. (laughs) <laughs> is it Elle Fanning? <laughs> no, what what white woman has been in basically every movie the same way Jennifer Lewis has been in every movie? Oh, well, I mean, if we're talking, I mean, like Nicole Kidman and the others is like the pink white mom of all time. <laughs> um, Yeah, who's the white Jennifer Lewis? Yeah, who just shows? I mean, like, would it be someone like Judy Greer? Maybe. Maybe. Somebody who She's shows ever- up just frequently. You, you know who I think might be a good answer to that? Alice and Janney. Um, somebody mm. who is shockingly in every movie and you forget that. You know what? Alice and Janney might be the mother of white Hollywood. I love that for her. Should we call her and tell her? <laughs> yeah, let's start pushing that. And then, yeah. then people I think might- we should do a live phone feature. <laughs> Will they pick up is our new thing. Like full morning zoo, Ryan Seacrest shit. Start calling her the mother of white Hollywood, and people might start thinking she was at Sydney Sweeney's party. Right. <laughs> <laughs> white Hollywood? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we will be right back with more Keep It. Depressed by the prospect of turning 40 and losing his youthful optimism about politics, Lovett chases Pundit into Wonderland in an extremely experimental episode of Love It or Leave It. All right. Do you get David Fincher to direct this episode or something? Yeah. Wow. He's playing with the art form here. Real Michelle Gondry shit. (laughs) Uh, Joined by many friends, Lovett gets lost in Wonderland, survives the Unsurrection Tea Party, and in the end, Jon Favreau and Tommy Vitor give Lovett the advice he needs to survive until 2024. Listen to this special episode and more Love It or Leave It wherever you get your podcasts. Don't worry, darling. 
the second feature film directed by Olivia Wilde and starring Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, and you wouldn't know it from the press, but Chris Pine is also in this movie. <laughs> Pine <laughs> has Kiki been awfully mobbed during this situation. And Kiki Lane, wow. And, and Jimma Chan. If Beale Street could talk, if this cast could talk, my God, <laughs> speak up. Uh, it is out September 23rd, but the film has been making headlines for months for reported drama from the production. Baby. Where to begin? There is there is so much going on in this film. First of all, this is apparently the film where um, Olivia Wilde and Harry met and started dating as she was divorcing Jason Sudeikis. Correct. Which nobody really, whatever, objected to at the time. And then, of course, she got those famous papers during some Comic-Con uh, press conference, which was extremely strange. And then Jason Sudeikis claimed he didn't mean to give it, give those papers to her in that context on purpose. But then we also learned that the guy who gave her those papers had to get special permission to get in there. So it feels like he had to have done that on purpose. And also, you can't just it was show so up wildly dramatic. Yeah, right. No, it, it was mind blowing. Uh, uh, just running through Comic Con without a badge. I'm delivering papers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you know, the, the, the backstory of this is just the fact that, one, um, since their breakup, Jason Sudeikis became Ted Lasso, and now he's like, you know, beloved by the internet. Except yes, for the quarter of the internet that hates him because they hate Ted Lasso. Right. Which I think it's about a quarter. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and the same can be said for Olivia Wilde because a quarter of the internet hates her because she's with Harry Styles because they're deranged Harry Styles fans. Right. I just want to say every time I search my own name on um, Twitter, which, you know, is every once in a while, like to just literally keep it Lewis. Why would you ever do that? Uh, no, asking for it. I'm asking for it. <laughs> But I just want to say, I am still shocked at the volume of tweets I see about Lewis Tomlinson. Just, just about him, right? So he's maybe the fifth most popular of the One Direction crew. Harry Styles, think about the fandom that is in store for him if literally people are still texting the words Louis Tomlinson all the time. Anyway. I mean, listen, we talked about Harry last week about a different film that he's in um, called My Policeman. I would forgive you if you thought that this was about the same film. Right. It is not. No, he's having one of these Jessica Chastain 2011 years where he's just uh, popping up all over the place and you didn't get to vote on it. He just showed up and he's there. Uh, so now we've established that Olivia Wilde, Harry Styles are dating. They yes. don't really talk about it, but they're dating. Um, right. And then there is a rumored feud between Olivia Wilde and Florence Pugh because she allegedly hates the fact that they started dating while on set um, while she was still with Jason Sudeikis, which I don't believe at all. And also there's another rumor that she had to quote unquote direct herself in scenes because Olivia was so wrapped up in Harry on set, which I don't even know spatially what that means. Like Olivia is just, you know, hugging Harry too much off to the side and Florence is over here with cameras on herself you know, doing a black box production of a play for her, for one camera. I have no idea. She's not Brian Singer getting a blowjob from a twink while Halle Berry's trying to shoot weather scenes in X-Men, okay? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> uh, I'm awake. 
<laughs> Allegedly. Right. Um, and Florence Pugh also has not posted almost any social media about this very big movie that at one point, when she signed on to it, she was extremely excited for. She but was she gushing. Said, she Her first yeah. post was, one, I can't believe Olivia Wilde tagged me in a post on Instagram. Two, I'm so excited to be in this movie. And she was excited that Shia LaBeouf was in the movie. Right. Uh, but I do want to point out that this was before Shia LaBeouf, um, the original co-star in the film, um, before he was replaced by Harry Styles. This is before he was sued for sexual battery by his former girlfriend, FK Twigs. Right. And that was that's quite a long time ago now. Um, and then... Obviously, there's the tentacle of this story involving Shia LaBeouf now claiming that Olivia Wilde misrepresented what happened between the two of them on the movie. He says he quit the movie. She says she fired him and, and in fact, said because of a no assholes rule that she had uh, uh, regarding this movie. Now, obviously, there's a lot of press about Shia indicating that he potentially could be an asshole at certain times. So that seemed very believable. He then produced a video of Olivia Wilde trying to talk him seemingly this is from his perspective, but it seems like what's happening in the video is he's persuading him or she's persuading him to stay in the movie and says that him threatening to leave is a quote unquote wake up call to Florence Pugh, or as she calls her in the video, Miss Flo, which I actually, I, I, in a way in that video, did she do anything that, we wouldn't have done as director. Like, I don't know. I don't think she said anything too incriminating in that moment. I don't particularly either. Uh, but the interesting thing about this is he also released emails uh, mm -hmm. that, that, you know, state that he was pulling out of the movie because there wasn't enough rehearsal time for his process. Um, and first of all, terrifying. <laughs> because I imagine Shia LaBeouf's rehearsal process is like um, Joaquin Phoenix uh, times 11. No, it's giving uh, Dustin Hoffman in Kramer versus Kramer where it's like, Meryl, you better watch out. You're getting a glass thrown at you today. <laughs> uh, in the lawsuit against Shia, uh, FKH Twins did allege that he bragged about shooting stray dogs while uh, preparing for Honey Boy. So... Real prologue for making a murderer shit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I don't imagine his rehearsal process uh, is giving uh, Stanislavski, as it were. <laughs> no, Lee Strasberg is not like, I sign off on this. <laughs> if only he were doing the Nathan Fielder method. That sounds cute. Oh, God. I just watched that whole show. I know you're a big fan of it. It doesn't leave me with a good feeling. Anyway, moving on. He's the Joker. Yeah, he and it's not normal. Also, it's like he's like he's like playing up a certain un lack of awareness so that the people on camera like kind of expose themselves more. And I find that very uncomfortable, too. Anyway, I mean, it's fun when Columbo does it, but <laughs> <laughs> just one more thing. So anyway, back to this. Let's dispute a few things. One, okay. I highly doubt Florence Pugh was shooting her own scenes on this film that i can't picture it myself me. yeah uh and we probably would have heard about that right uh two it's possible that she was annoyed by um harry and olivia um during the making of the film because you know 
I can imagine being annoyed by a new couple in love in general. They annoy me at a coffee shop. They annoy me in line uh, at Six Flags. I'm sure they'd annoy me on set for a film. What is it about Six Flags lines that gets people randy? I'm telling you, people are just clawing (laughs) on each other. You cannot get on a roller coaster without seeing somebody like touching somebody else's ass. I would say that that's a specific thing in straight culture where I feel like they are, you know, probably more um, sexually neutered than gay people. Uh Or it's teenagers who can't, you know, like, um, you know, make out with their boyfriend or girlfriend in public uh, because they're usually at their parents or something. But it's like Six Flags, movie theaters, they're going at it. I just literally, when I think of Six Flags, I think of being in line and I'm in front, pardon me, the year is 2003. And in front of me, somebody with low cut jeans and like, I'm going to say about four inches of ass crack showing. And I'm watching that crack get like played with. All I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to bring everybody into this visually, <laughs> but that's just the way it is. Okay, back to this. <clears throat> it's also possible that Florence Pugh was annoyed at the quality of the movie being made because a clip started circulating from don't worry, darling, which is a confrontational scene between Harry Styles and Florence Pugh. This was the first piece of drama from this film that had the internet talking. And all I'll say is the internet unanimously agreed that Harry is simply screaming and unconvincing. It is a histrionic scene. Now, by the way, I remember several times clips circulating on the internet from various things and people being like, is this good acting? And then once you learn the context of what's happening, it's totally different. For instance, I remember there was a clip of Julia Garner on Ozark going around for a while and people were saying, oh, is she a terrible actress? Meanwhile, you really need episodes and episodes of context to realize why this character is caterwauling. So Mm. I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt to Harry in this case. However, this is also a clip where the acting looks bad because it's with Florence Pugh, who is so good. And I want to say, I think historically, all the most memorable bad performances in movies are usually, um, usually they're so memorable because everybody else around them is on a different level. For instance, Sofia Coppola in The Godfather Part Three. you probably wouldn't care about that performance or even notice it was that bad if she weren't with the best actors alive, you know? And I, I, I do Marriage feel like- story. Are you talking about Miss Merritt Weaver? I'm talking about everyone in the film with Merritt Weaver, Laura Dern, and Ray Liotta. Oh, it's not up to snuff. Oh, I see. I see. Um, <laughs> that, that is the story of the clip that was going around the internet. People being like, is this acting? And I'm like, it is absolutely not. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about the screaming scenes between... Uh, the screaming Ad- scenes. Okay, with Adam and Scarlett. Got it. Yeah. Because um, uh, there are lots of like um, uh, swing for the fences performances. <laughs> Let's not forget uh, Miss Julie Haggerty is in that movie. Anyway. The other thing about that clip too is Harry Styles goes through more accents in that one scene than I do <laughs> in an episode of Keep It. Okay? Which, which, as you know, Duolingo has tried to shut us down for years. That we, We're considered a menace to society. Unfortunately, I just thought it was a terrible, <laughs> terrible scene. <laughs> I mean, not to be an acting one teacher, but it sounds to me like he's trying to convey seriousness as opposed to like participating emotionally in the scene. And anybody who's trying to sound serious, that alone is camp because you're aware you're about to fail at seriousness, which 
to invoke Susan Sontag is the definition of camp. And listen, I, we, we haven't been able to see him do much um, as an actor. I famously haven't seen Dunkirk. Um, I've seen Dunkirk, and I mean, I remember him being fine, but like the 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 acting in that movie is not meant. To, not any one person is meant to stand out. So he's whatever on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, but um, this is it. You know, the, this and my <laughs> policeman. Um, we're getting two. We're getting two Harry Styles movies. Yeah, I feel and, like my policeman will be good. That's my weird prediction. But well, that, it's it's gonna have tender sex scenes. You know. So, oh, that's right. <laughs> he really bewildered me with that statement. Um, but, um, uh, but I, I, I wanted to say one more thing about when bad performances stick out. It to me, it's the reason like high school plays are so charming because everyone's equally bad. So mm. it's almost like you can invest in the reality of the play of the of the fictional stakes because everybody is sort of in the same atmosphere of contrivance whereas if I would one agree person with that. is contrived in a movie you know then it's like it's completely unusual and tonally strange well I would agree with that especially when you know like if everyone is bad and then there's usually like one actor who's really good the kid who you could be like oh that was gonna go to Tish you know that was gonna go to Julio yeah. <laughs> something like that yeah. that is fun to watch that's when you know you um when you watch like a teen show on the CW or something you know one that isn't like a Veronica Mars uh yeah with with stellar acting you know like you're watching fucking pretty low liars uh original sin like i'm watching now um <laughs> when everyone is the same level of acting even if it's not bad acting it's mid acting you're perfectly fine with it because yeah. no one you know is no one is having no one is like acting opposite meryl streep in this show right um but actually do you know what that clip reminded me of you'll remember this do you remember when Bristol Palin was on Secret Life of the American Teenager? Absolutely. And she was, she, correct me if I'm wrong, she was playing opposite Shailene Woodley, right? Yes. So Shailene Woodley, great actor. Uh, you know, and around that time, a lot of buzz building around Shailene Woodley. And Bristol Palin, of course, is, you know, Mannequin 2, the return of Mannequin. And <laughs> it's Mannequin 2 on the move. I actually did not know that. I have to say, <laughs> who's the star of Mannequin 2? Because I know it's not Cottrell. It is Christy Swanson. Oh, that's exactly who it should be. Okay, great. Um, but uh, uh, no, it's that same disparity thing happening where not only are they bad, they can't even pick up on the vibes of a good actor. You know what? I brought up Veronica Mars, but it reminds you of when Paris Hilton was in an episode of Veronica Mars. Oh, my God. Do I remember that? <laughs> Why did we make the attempt, the Hail Mary, to include her on that show? Yeah, you know, it's usually like when, when a pop singer is a guest star um, and they really can't keep up with everyone else in the cast. You know who could keep up? Nick Lachey when he was on One Tree Hill because everyone else on that show was the same level of actor as Nick oh, Lachey. Savvy move, Nick Lachey. <laughs> um, this brings us back to the Shia LaBeouf stuff. Because he was the original actor in the film. And despite being an asshole um, and, um, you know, an abuser, um, he's a very good actor. Right. Can't and, think of a bad performance he's given. Yes, And that's probably why Florence Pugh was excited at first. Because she was going to be opposite someone 
you know, with her level of acting skill. Um, mm-hmm. Someone who is as devoted to the craft as she is. Unfortunately, um, he's a terrorist. Right. Yes. I and mean, so I did, he was well, well, be, the last movie I saw him in was uh, pieces pieces of a woman, which she he was so good in. Yeah. Uh, so it's reasonable to assume that he was fired from the movie, but it's also reasonable to assume that he quit. The thing about the quote unquote receipts that dropped this week is they're entertaining, um, and they're messy, but it actually reminds me of the Taylor Swift. Kanye and Kim Kardashian thing. Um, shout out to um, Midnight coming out 13 years after she was interrupted on stage at the VMAs, um, as her um, QAnon fans love to point out. Sincerely, I mean, like, w- what is it with Taylor Swift fans and finding Basic Edition fascinating? I just, it's like, <laughs> that's like the serve of all time for them. Can you believe it? A number. But when that happened, I think you remember the issue was um, Kanye in his song Famous said, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex because I made the bitch famous. Right. The whole issue surrounding that was he claimed to have gotten permission from Taylor to use that line in the song. And she said, that's not true. And then Kim dropped recordings of the fact that she was on the phone with him and agreed to it. She agreed to the might still have sex line, but not being called a bitch in the song. And that was the disparity. Uh, But the thing is, that was the era, that was Taylor's reputation era, well, her pre-reputation era, um, where people didn't like her. She was kind of annoying. Uh, she was. I don't know if people didn't like her, but I, I think I think she might have been slightly overexposed at the she, moment. She was overexposed. She was Anne Hathaway ish. Uh, we discussed that recently. You know, like she was she was everywhere, and she was doing a lot of like white woman things in the press that were like sort of like um, annoying. Like when she had her black um, backup dancers in the Shake It Off video and some people found them like being used as like props in the video. Um, things like that. Um, and she never really addressed them in sort of like a adult way. Um, so, you know, they, you had um, people writing think pieces about how she was kind of racist um, or at least oblivious, you know, and then she was also overexposed. So people were willing to dislike her in the moment when this dropped. Um, And then you had the excited um, Kanye and Kim fans um, who were just ready to see like Taylor torn apart. So that's why the receipts seem bigger than they were. And then when it was later proved that, you know, the entire story wasn't there, we'd all sort of moved on from it. Right. And but also, I just want to say like, about Kanye. Oh. I just want to say about Kanye West asking Taylor Swift permission. It's still a pretty disgusting line. So to be like, "Oh, I'll just bring it to her attention, then that'll make it okay." It's like, uh, that's still vile. That's still, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, and so that reminds me of this because we don't know the context of this video. Not really. Yeah. Right. 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 You can read into it and say that the misflow is sounds condescending, and I will say the line. Maybe this will be a wake-up call for Miss Flo. Is weird. Yeah. yeah I mean, it implies it, right. that 
you're doing something to you're doing something that um she doesn't agree with yes and also it's wake up call makes it sound like she's being unreasonable yeah um so who knows but also as people who work in this industry uh you know that like when you're on a phone call with someone or you like you will have different personalities pop up when you're talking to anybody on a production truly yeah because if you know that shia labeouf is difficult and annoying you might skew a conversation a certain way to keep him happy Uh, it sounds like that's what a lot of conversations with shia buff uh so it doesn't necessarily mean that there was tension between her um and florence Pugh. it just means that she was trying to save her film and she was like let me do what i gotta do to keep this actor on the film Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean i'm not i'm I'm not thrilled to see people jumping out to attack olivia wilde just period it it just feels like that one of those random things where I, i I don't, I, I don't mean to be super direct about this, but it, something feels kind of Amber Hurdy where it's like, who are these people who need to see this person go down? Just like I, we, we, the context is not there for me. So it's like, I don't, I don't know where you're coming from on this or where the, the rancor comes from other than maybe she did mess up. And otherwise, in that case, yeah, it's disappointing, but I'm not like thrilled about it or I don't know. I mean, it also comes from stands unfortunately because there is a set of the internet that dislikes olivia wilde because she's with harry styles to the point where like some of them online have called her a groomer because she's 10 years older than him even though he was 28 when they got together (laughs) a full grown-ass adult Ugh. I, i mean people just wield all these fucking like twitter words whatever way they need to also uh bodies 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 was right yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um no uh we had olivia wilde on this podcast once for she uh, was uh, delightful i have to say i mean like that was her first movie so i didn't have anything to compare her talent with before i i mean she was delightful here that means nothing i'm not saying so she she can't be wrong or she can't be weird um but she was one of the great kind of initial run of one of the great guests we had on our initial run of guests no she she was on um it was me you and kara at that time she was on the show talking about book smart but she also had a lot of smart things to say about her time on the oc when she was playing like a bi character and how that Mm -hmm. character was represented in the media and how fans saw her i think she had a very like i think she had a lot of smart things to say about the industry about how she viewed it uh people should know why she was a director at all yeah people should go back and listen to that episode the title is the royalty uh and what's funny is in that episode um we were talking about taylor swift at the time too you don't say my god she wins again (laughs) um and then you also have to take into account that the other person involved in all of this is shia labeouf and notorious liar it also just came out in another interview that his film honey boy uh, which was supposed to depict um, how abusive his father was to him uh, while he was growing up. He said that that was all absurd nonsense and made up in an interview, which means that he painted his father as someone who abused him in an autobiographical film, and it wasn't true. Okay, and I'm like, well, that is, is confusing. Well, now I'm like, is that true? 
or is this a lie? Wow. Lies upon lies upon lies. Because uh, there are reports, you know, that like his father, you know, um, has like sexual assault allegations against him, uh, had like rape charges against him, um, was, you know, apparently notoriously awful on the Even Steven set as well. So it's not like his father's a great person, but this throws into question, you know, like how he was representing his father in this film, which is sort of abusive in one way if you're representing a parent as someone who like abused you and it's not true. I mean, who can even unpack that? Uh, anyway, I don't know. By the way, does this make you more excited to see the movie or not? Absolutely. I guess I have to be I will seeing be seated it. Open night, opening night. For Dar- yeah. I will be seated for Don't Worry Darling. Okay? Uh, I cannot wait. Uh, <laughs> um, I, again, it was not a movie I was initially excited about, even though Florence Pugh is in it, because it's that thing of, is this perfect town not as perfect as it seems? It's like, this is always the fucking case. Every suburb is not as perfect as... I want a, I want a movie about a, a suburb where we just enjoy ourselves and everybody has a nice little life. Like my parents, Lee and Gloria. But that's not what the movies give us. So I'm now excited to see this based on what the acting talent is going to bring us. I want to know if they serve what apparently is a really good script several people online have stuck out their necks to say reading the script was one of the best reads they had all year so okay and i do also want to remind people that jimba chan kiki lane chris pine and also nick kroll are in this film so there are other people that we really do enjoy (laughs) in this movie remember when nick Uh, kroll was in loving what a weird choice for him yeah, and the screenwriter, Katie Silberman, uh, wrote Booksmart. Oh, so I didn't she's realize. Wor- she's worked with Olivia before, you know? So I'm sure the collaboration is great again. And um, the last thing I want to say, too, is that um, as funny as this all is, I do, I, am, I do want people to be aware of the fact that this is also being used by Shia LaBeouf as sort of his um repairing his image um you know which is of course wildly tarnished yeah yeah so uh maybe don't play into that as well all right now we have to go see this movie move forward you can think about shia labeouf in the harry styles role as you watch yeah and Uh, maybe that'll be fun and educational for you i'm worrying darling that is going to be sold out AMC oh, stuff is going to be getting a workout that weekend. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the I'm getting all the complimentary five dollar snacks on Stubs or A List or whatever that's called. This is literally all of the heartbreak and magic that Nicole Kidman said we were coming to the theater to see. Okay. Right. Now you're gonna go to the theater and it's just Nicole Kidman <laughs> saying, "I told you so." <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're back. An icon joins us, Jennifer Lewis. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? 
when you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. <laughs> Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. You know her from far too many things to name, but Sister Act, What's Love Got to Do With It, Blackish, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, everything. Her second book, Walking in My Joy, In These Streets, is out now wherever you get your books. And we are thrilled to welcome to Keep It, the legendary, iconic, and hilarious Jennifer Lewis. Hi. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Hello. Uh, this is quite an honor to talk to you today. Thank you. I mean, you have a filmography where I can't pick your definitive thing. Like, like he named all those things. I'm like, yeah, and you were on Blackish for a long time. But does any particular credit stand out to you as the definitive Jennifer Lewis project? Well, I did this movie for Lifetime called Jack. He's back. Yes, Jackie's and back. And it has uh, Robert yeah, Townsend. 
Yes, yes, yes. he directed that. And uh, <laughs> it has become a, a cult classic. I don't think there's a gay boy in America and or in the world for that matter that doesn't know every line of the movie. <laughs> and I have to hear it all day, every day, and I love it. But Jackie's Back was, um, yeah, it, it was my favorite. I think it would be Jackie's Back, The Preacher's Wife, and What's Love Got to Do With It were my favorite roles. Oh, but my favorite of all time is the one I'm doing right now on Showtime. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that for you. And I'm, I play Patricia Cochran, who is the uh, CEO and founder of a shopping network with Molly Shannon and Vanessa Bayer. That is now my favorite role, Patricia Cochran. Well, our friend uh, Matt Rogers is also on that show. And, oh, uh, my God. He's so amazing. <laughs> live, live for him. He plays my... Uh, my assistant and uh oh wow the chemistry is insane and he is really really good and i'm so enjoying this project i love that for you is the best <laughs> love this poster <laughs> uh well speaking of jackie's back you're in it with um whoopi goldberg and oh yeah and um I, I love how, like, you know, you were in Sister Act with her, um, but you seem to have had such a um, large amount of sort of projects where you work with Whoopi. Like, how did that friendship develop in Sister Act or before Sister Act? And how has it progressed to working with her uh, and just seeing her throughout the industry, throughout life? Well, Whoopi's a dear friend. Uh, we met at her one-woman show years and years ago in New York City. And it was amazing. And I sat there thinking, okay, my career is over. This bitch is now on the scene. <laughs> so um, we then met uh, the first day of rehearsal of Sister Act. And they were going to use my voice, uh, the singing voice for her. And mm -hmm. I told her, I said, girl, come on over here. Let's act like we you know, got our hair brushes and we're 15 years old and we're the Supremes. So she, she was excited. You know, she was a little intimidated because Charlotte Crosley and I had been harlots with Bette Midler. So, you know, we were all conditioned and ready to do it. And she was a little, you know, tentative. So I got her to sing. So they used her voice. So after that, we were just, you know, we had bonded and she's been a great supporter of my career. Um, she's never said no. She said yes to Jackie's back. Um, okay, I did play her, Rosie and Beth, off each other. I told Rosie Whoopi was doing it. And then I told uh, Beth that Ro <laughs> Rosie was doing it. So they kind of all went, what? Okay, I'm doing it. So I knew what I was doing. <laughs> None of them... None of them know I played them, but fuck them. I love them still. <laughs> I love them all. And uh, yeah, Bette Mittler and Whoopi and Rosie are still really dear friends. And, um, you know, I, I uh, have a lot to, I owe them. Because um, they, they really were back in those days trying to see which one was going to make me a star. Who's going to mm -hmm. make this little talented baby a star? So, um 
it was a it, those were amazing times, you know, when filming Jackie's back. Everybody came out for it. Dolly Parton, Loretta Devine, um, Chris Rock, Kathy Griffin. It goes on and on. Joe Beth Williams, uh, Eva Marie Saint. For God's sake. Speaking my language. I love me some Eva Marie Saint. Eva Marie Saint was in Jackie's back. You know, Grace Slick, Taylor Dane. But here's the thing. They all did it for scale. Because they just, they loved my little cute, talented ass. What can I tell you? And and, and that, that also spun off from being the entertainer's entertainer in New York. You know, when uh, Dreamgirls was going on and all these big Broadway shows, I started doing club acts. So everybody was there. They were, all the gypsies would come after the Broadway shows and see my club act. So I became the entertainer's entertainer. And that was just amazing. I mean, you know, I was everybody's little cute, talented, you know, meteorite. And everybody was, you know, supportive and loving of me. Well, in addition to being an entertainer's entertainer, you have one of the great monikers in all of Hollywood, which is the mother of black Hollywood. And I was, and I was wondering, is there a point when you realized you were that like, cause it's, you accumulated so many credits over basically a short period of time that I feel like at some point you must've realized, Oh wait, I've worked with everybody 10,000 times. Was there a project where it all came together for you? Well, the first mother I played was um, Tina Turner's mother and What's Love Got to Do With It. Mm. And uh, after that, you know, I just people start hiring me as the mother, the mother, the mother, the mother, the mother. Everybody from Tupac to Whitney to uh, Gabrielle Union. Um, what's that baby's name? He'd kill me. Kevin Hart. Um, you know, I was either their aunt or their mother. So I was the aunt on Fresh Prince, then I became the mother in all the movies, and then the grandmother on Blackish. So I have this really uh, beautiful bond with the younger generation because of that matriarch role. And um, right now, you know, everybody knows that show business is sort of 80%. I mean, show business is, is now like. 20% of my career and 80% of my uh, life now is my activism. Mm. You know, I've conquered show business. I, you know, it's brushing my teeth now, you know, action. Yeah. What do you need? Yeah. What's the fucking line? You know, places. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm ready. So, you know, (laughs) it's like that now with show business, but my activism of course is, is more important to me now. And that's what walking in my joy is about me finding another dream, another passion, another um, way to give back to the world Um, because we're in so much trouble now with, you know, this hideous administration that's in charge. But um, I love show business. It's like breathing to me. But what I have found is that it was just a foundation that I was building to have this platform to do this really amazing, uh, passionate work in my activism. 
So uh, I'm still Jennifer Lewis, but now I am Congresswoman Jennifer Lewis or <laughs> Senator Jennifer Lewis. Okay, fuck it. President. I'm president. God damn it. <laughs> um, you know, what would you describe um, as, you know, the um, sort of light bulb moment for you um, where you were like, um, this is sort of a path that I want to step down, you know, for activism? Like, you know, what was the first thing where you were sort of like, I feel like I can get involved here and I can make a difference. Well, my activism started back in high school when I led a walkout on Angela Davis's birthday. I had no idea who she was, but we were out for George Washington. We were out for George Washington's birthday. So I was like, well, let's just walk out on Angela's birthday. She's got the afro, so let's go. And, and then, of course, uh, the AIDS uh, epidemic happened. Um while in New York on Broadway and um, so many, 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 many people died and suffered from that hideous uh, disease. And um, my first uh, charity was Divas for Dollars. And we would go from gay club to gay club and do a song and then we'd pass the hat. And that's how we raised money. That was my first uh, um way of giving back. And then it just went on from there. But yes, it was, the fire was lit under me for my activism, of course, when Trump became president. Um, I mean, you couldn't stop me. I had to do everything I could to, while on tour for the Mother Black Hollywood, my first book during that book tour was the Trump era. And I, of course, saw the temperament and temperature of the country. And it was more of a campaign. I would, if I had a concert in Fort Lauderdale, I would go down to Parkland High School. And the day I was going down there, there was a bomb threat. So Frederica uh, Wilson, Congresswoman in Texas, gave me the Urban League to talk to the African-American kids um, at Parkland. And because they were feeling ignored and they, one of them stood up when I was there. They said, George Clooney came and the white kids got to go to dinner with him. I said, well, God damn it, pack your shit. Jennifer Lewis is here and we're going to McDonald's. Come on, let's go. <laughs> so I went down there and um, wow. I came back and wrote a song uh, which is what I was playing. Our children shouldn't have to run from bullets. You know, and then I wrote one when I came, I had a, a book signing in Detroit, and then I went to Flint, and then I wrote, I just got back from Flint. <laughs> And Flint ain't fixed. You know, I went down there and I saw that dirty water with my own eyes. So when you, when you go out into the world and you see it for yourself, you come back armed to feed the children in America and to feed them more than food, to give them everything you've got. I mean, I live the American dream and I want my great nieces and nephews to have that opportunity. So I am unstoppable in this cause. 
we were sitting around when COVID first happened. And you know, everyone in the world contemplated their death at the beginning. We didn't know what this thing was gonna do. And my little nephew, he's four years old, he comes over to me. He overheard us talking. He said, auntie, you're not afraid to die? And I said to him, no, baby, I'm not. Why, he said. And I told them, because I've lived. I lived the spectrum. I ate dirt when I was a little girl. You know, I used to an outhouse. It was all there. And to add insult to injury, the outhouse was across from my school. So I was teased and all of that. And <laughs> those poor bastards, they're crying now. But, <laughs> kidding, kidding. Uh, yeah, and then um, I lost my train of thought, but my passion is now to save democracy, to help improve the world so that the next generation will have social security, that the next generation will have a right to choose, a right to vote, all of that. We have to be very careful. Anybody that's listening, make sure all of your friends and family members are registered to vote and vote. We have to come out this time like, you know, a wave, a blue wave off the Pacific. And we have to wash this land and take it back and make it right. Now I'm talking about years of work, but we can do it. I just got back from Antarctica. I saw the line of how the ice is melting. I've seen it all y'all. Just got back from India where the poverty is. There's no word for it. So yeah. I am armed and extremely dangerous with wisdom, and I'm going to give it all to the next generation as much as I possibly can. You are such a galvanizing force, just I, I, I think even among just people in show business, but who galvanizes you? Are there people in your field who you are really inspired by, how they step up? Not a fucking one. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fucking one. I'm sick of all of them. No. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I kind of hang out with Stacey Abrams and Maxine Waters. And um, I'm involved now. I am uh, I am a leader in the resistance. And uh, I proclaim that. And I'm going to do everything I can to use my platform to make a difference in this world. There's nothing else to do, darling. I, I have everything I want. I got everything I wanted. Who the fuck can say that? Now, I say it with great humility because what I wanted more than anything, not the big, okay, the big house is cute. The big car is cute. The pool is cute. This is cute. Cute, 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 cute. But the most, the thing, let me tell you how my success is measured. My success is measured by how broad the smile is on my face. If I am walking in my joy, then everything's all right. And that is living on purpose, doing it purposefully to spread joy wherever I can. 
And when you can say you got everything you want, just like when I accepted my star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, I told everyone it was not the work on camera, on stage. It was what I did when I wasn't doing that. I took care of myself. I went and took care of the bipolar disorder, the sex addiction. I, I worked through the molestation. It, 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 I have no secrets, you understand. Not one, because I think we are as sick as our secrets. So honey, I'm just a free spirit telling everything. Yeah, I fucked him. Yeah, oh yeah, I fucked him too. Oh, oh my God, yeah, yeah, I fucked him. But... <laughs> I got no shame. There's no shame in my game. You understand? I did it. I lived. I traveled. I sang. I danced. I was funny. I was cute. Still cute. And, you know, what are you going to do? Guys, I did it. I did it. I conquered a dream. And now I needed something else, you see. I needed, I needed a new passion. Because I could retire now and 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 rest on my uh, 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 enjoy the fruits of my labor. I could lounge by the pool and live my life out in spas and all of that, but it's boring. Give me something that means something. And what could mean more than trying to bring the children together and unite them? It is a funny thing. People, I feel like people tell you, you know, you're you're supposed to achieve your dreams growing up, and then of course you can do that. And then what? You know, it's like a little bit of a lie, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You have to continue, continue with a passion, something that wakes you up, that will get you up and get you moving. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk a bit um, too about, um, you mentioned the Hollywood star and I mean, and we talked about Jackie's back a bit about how that is, um, you know, a project that, you know, everyone comes up to you and talks about. Um, but you've done so much in your career. And like you said, you've accomplished Hollywood. Um, what is something that you feel, though, that you've worked on that you wish more people knew about? You wish you, that's just one project where you were like, you know what? I was really fun in that. I was really good in that. And not enough people talk about it, you know, because I, I like look at your credits and I'm like, I remember, yes, you were in Girl 6, you know, you did Mystery Men, you know, you did yeah. Hereafter, you know, like so many things and so many people have worked with you. You know, what's something that sticks out for you where you're like, people listening to this now, go and watch this because I turned it out. Well, what I would I would say, go watch. I love that for you mm-hmm. on Showtime. It's my best work. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of amazing artists, everybody from Sharon Stone to Denzel to Meryl Streep, um, Tom Hanks, you know. um, I never worked with Viola. I want to work with Viola one day. How has that not happened? What is going on there? (laughs) Darling, (laughs) you know, uh, but... I've worked with amazing people. I mean, Molly, Vanessa, Matt. Um, you know, and I can't say that there was one thing. My life has been a playground on stage. I have to pinch myself. Every people said, how do you, I remember when we still had um, photo albums. 
They said, how can you have this many pictures? I said, because every day in show business is Christmas. There's always some wonderful thing going on, another premiere, another red carpet, another movie. And what it is, it's now 68 movies. No, it's 70 movies now, 450 television episodic uh, shows, four Broadway shows and concerts all over the world. And I was playing. I got so many dreams came true an electrifying standing ovation at Carnegie Hall. And one song, I trained three months for that one song. Mark Shaman's um, I, um, I Know Where I've Been from Hairspray, mm. you know, um, just brought the, I mean, it was an electrifying, you know, you have your standing ovations. I've been getting them all my life. Glory, hallelujah. But this ovation at Carnegie Hall, selling out at Lincoln Center. All of that and having traveled all over the world, I love traveling. I garden, I cycle, I swim, Pilates, yoga. You know, Laurence Olivier, when I wrote, when I read his book, the one thing that jumped out at me, he said, if you're going to be an artist, you must keep your body physically fit in order to give what all that you can, all of yourself, the soul, the mind. It's, it's, it's an amazing process. You know, I've studied everybody from Feldenkrais, Stanislavski, all the, cl the classics, Ibsen, Shakespeare, Chekhov, Williams. It, I did it all and it was fun. I'm telling you, even all these interviews for uh, my book, um, Walking in My Joy, I'm having such a good time because now I don't get nervous. I know who I am. This is the gift that comes with age. You know, even if you, I mean, the movie Matrix, know thyself. Every time I get a, a negative comment on the internet, I write, well, write it after fuck you, but <laughs> I will write, Know thyself, go look in the mirror. You wanna know who you are? Look at your comments on the internet, read them. There's your chapter, there's your book, there's your story. Are you nasty? Are you kind? Are you considerate? Are you just an asshole? So, you know, choose, choose. You've mentioned all these awesome people you've worked with, but I have to say, Molly Shannon must be a particularly awesome match for you because I feel like she that brings the same bitch play. Is crazy. Yes, right. <laughs> that, bitch is, that bitch is insane. I worship her. <laughs> She's so much fun. You know, I got to tell you about Vanessa Bayer too. Vanessa Bayer, I've been telling people, I've never loved anyone so instantly. Mm. Soon as she showed me those gums, I said, you all right? I said, you all right with me, babe? <laughs> Molly is like an ever-ready battery. She, oh, she, oh, well, I, that, I, we have to massage the scene. I said, we can massage the scene, Molly. Oh, but just, ooh, let me just say, okay. Well, I'm like, bitch. <laughs> but I gotta tell you, when they called me to do I Love That For You, I told them, I said, baby, you had me at hello. 
when they said Molly Shannon, because I knew I would have fun running around smelling their fucking armpits. And uh, I mean, really, come on, and smashing herself into chairs with Whitney Houston and, and, and just tongue kissing a tree. Who wouldn't want to work with a person like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I am having the time of my life on I Love That For You. And yeah, that is the one that I wish more people would see because that is my best work. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, I love the show. Uh, I think you're fantastic in it. Uh, Thank you. Everyone check that out. And everyone read your book, too, Walking in My Joy, In These Streets. Uh, thank you for being here with us, Jennifer. It's been such it an honor. It's my pleasure. You yeah. guys have anything else you want to ask? I don't mind. Okay. Mm. Uh, I, I, what's interesting about someone like you is like I almost don't have questions because you're an open book. I know the answers. Like yeah. you live in in such an honest and rad way. It'd be like weird. Like oh, uh, what's her secret or whatever? It's like you. The secrets are all out there. You know, you live the yeah. Thing, you know. Freedom. And people ask me, you know, how do you? You have to practice it. You have to practice walking in your joy. And to get up and write it down. What do I want to do? Who can I help? Uh, how can I do it to the best of my ability? You know, where am I today? You know, am I prepared for Karen to roll up? You know, what am, what am I going to do? Uh, I did have one roll up. It was amazing. I just couldn't believe it. But I, I offset the whole conflict. I told her she was beautiful. She wanted me to back up my car. She's like, go and back, back up more. Back. And she was so rageful. And she got out of her car. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, don't do it, Jenny. This can't be real. Do not kill this woman. <laughs> so I got, out, I got out of the car. And she was telling me things. And I said, you know what? We're too fabulous for this. Look at us. I said, we're gorgeous. What are you doing? Come on. You know. And for those two seconds, she looked at me like, I am beautiful, really? And then of course she huffed and puffed and skidded rubber away. <laughs> but for those two seconds, for those two seconds when she went, <gasps> like, really? I learned a lot. Meet it with love, lead with love. Don't get, don't get down in the gutter with them. Don't go there. Smile, offset it, because if you fuck up, you're just going to drive away feeling bad yourself. There is a chapter in my book, Walking in My Joy, titled, To Hate the Tyrant is to Become the Tyrant. So don't do it. Don't do it. Live your life and live it well. Enjoy nature. See as much of it as you can, every mountaintop every valley. See it all. See it all. It's right here for us and it is beautiful. Love your life. Look in the mirror. Tell yourself, I love myself. Stand there until you mean it. Stand there. Do the work. Enjoy this life. It's yours to drive. We think somebody else and something else is in charge, but baby, I assure you, there is nothing greater than the journey within. And that's what my books are about. And that's kind of why I'm free. 
Why weren't you the speech teacher I had in high school? I could have been so good. <laughs> I got to tell you, I wish I'd had a Jennifer Lewis. I wish I'd had one. I did. I, I, I searched for, you know, mothers around the world. Wherever I was, I would always like find somebody older than me to teach me something, you know? So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about this new book. I'm excited about getting the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I'm excited about the new series. And there's so many other things going on. God help me. 15 animations I'm doing. 15 animations in 15 different voices. So y'all start praying if you pray. That <laughs> <laughs> I just don't pass the fuck out over here. Okay. Well, that will bring me to prayer. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> for once, yeah. All right, yeah. God and I are now on a team. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer, so much for being here. It couldn't have been more My fun. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank My you pleasure. So much. Be well, okay. You yeah. Too. You too. Bye bye. Walking in My Joy is out in bookstores now, and I Love That For You is available on Showtime. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. I'm Oren Siegel, and I've been fighting extremism, anti-Semitism, and hate for more than 20 years. You should subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, to get a unique perspective on the daily work and the people who have dedicated their lives to exposing, fighting, and disrupting extremism, anti-Semitism, and all forms of hate. We bring you the stories of people and communities not only impacted by hate, but who offer new perspectives and ways to push back. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. The 2022 MTV Video Music Awards were held on Sunday with Harry Styles, Bad Bunny, Taylor Swift, and Billie Eilish taking home the big prizes and a few notable moments along the way. Um, one of the notable moments is that I did not know these awards were occurring until they were on. Um, <laughs> uh, and here's the thing. Among award shows, and I mean all of them all together, including the Oscars, etc., the VMAs, if I had to rank the best like viewing experiences of an award show in my life would pop up several times. The VMAs, I mean, are just, just the right amount of rock is just the right amount of really good. And historically giving awards to the right people, you know, like it's awesome that, you know, Jamiroquai won the big award one year that Pearl Jam won the big award or Lauren Hill or you know, Madonna winning for Ray of Light. There's lots of like great wins in there. And now I, 
I truly barely have memories of the prestige that are what was once associated with winning VMAs because the categories have been transformed time and time again. Why is there an album of the year award at the VMAs? That is simply a bewildering idea. And it went to Harry Styles for Harry's house. I just wanted to say that name again for the 50th time so that some of our listeners could explode. Uh, <laughs> and He also wasn't even there. No, right. Also, they it's just this has become one of those award shows where they only give awards to the people who show up. In fact, it's so suspicious. It makes you wonder if they don't write the nominees until they get the guarantee that somebody is going to be there. You know? Yeah. I mean, like Taylor Swift taking home video of the year. Right. Um, The only person now to have three VMAs for video of the year. And I just want to say that that is bad. Go ahead. Right. Because your videos are notoriously bad. I, saw, I, mean, I say this as a Taylor fan. Yeah. Blake Space and Bad Blood for Camp Value are her only good music videos. Yeah, for her to have three VMAs, I'm just saying, like, M- Madonna has one. You know, like, I don't think Janet has any. Bjork has zero. So anyway, it's getting a little screwy. It's weird, too, because the VMAs obviously used to have this big cultural cachet when, you know, MTV was a thing. Yeah, right. When it used to air videos, not to be that those people, but, you know, right. it used to air videos all day. Music TV. That's what MTV stood for. You know, it was a music television network. It aired music videos. And so it influenced the culture. It dominated the culture. That's why this award show was so important. And everyone would show up to this fucking award show. Now, good luck. No, now they should have an award show ranking the top 25 episodes of Ridiculousness. (laughs) And it's, I just, like, we're talking about Shia LaBeouf and Olivia Wilde's emails. I would like to see the emails between um, Viacom execs uh, and VMA producers to stars publicist trying to get them to come to this award show i to- i honestly completely agree because literally i just want to talk about how deeply unfabulous it was to watch taylor swift win the vma for video of the year and clearly it was set up so that she could then drop promo for her first for the name of her album which we've established as midnights and that will be coming out october 21st she would not be going to this award show if she didn't know she were winning a giant award, the centerpiece award of the night, where she could make this announcement. The like marketing Ouroboros of it is, one, expected at this point, but two, gross. Who wants to see this? Who wants to see? And like, her speech where she's like, this is the first year where four female directors have been nominated for Best Director. In your preliminary emails to Viacom, did you say I'm only showing up if there are four female directors in this category? Because it feels like it. (laughs) Also, it's extra funny because that's Taylor Swift's usual MO. The whole whole idea of the album Midnight is like, these are songs that I wrote during on sleepless nights, uh, songs written in the middle of the night, and they're for you if you have sleepless nights too. I'm like, Girl, not for one second do I believe that you were slipping out of bed with Joe and running to the studio to make some music, okay? <laughs> you decided, I'm going to make music in the middle of the night, and then I'm going to call it Midnight's. I, feel, I always feel like yeah. the concept comes first. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, she doesn't strike me as a Paisley Park type um, <laughs> studio musician, if you will. It's 3 a.m. We've got to lay down this sick bass or whatever. She's um, Buffy Summer slipping out of her boyfriend's bed every night so she could go and 
patrol cemeteries and write um, limericks. Right, 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 right. Um, by the way, maybe the album will be great. I know you're a huge I'm fan. Sure it'll I, be great. I, I own all of her music. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat excited for it. Listen, um, it's I, a time-honored keep it tradition for a Taylor Swift album to drop and us to have a combo about it. And it's usually online. Everyone's usually like, well, can't wait to see Lewis hate this album and I read a like it. Oh, yeah. No, the stands will find me as they have found me previously. I'm thrilled. Uh, but also, she's dropping this album on this date the same day that Carly Rae Jepsen is dropping her album. Now, not that I'm in love with the Beach House she's single. She's so rude. But I wanted, I wanted her to have a moment. <laughs> well, if, 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 Carly Rae, if Carly Rae Jepsen had quote tweeted Taylor Swift's announcement and just said, let me rest, I would have loved it so much. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. They're both in for a rude awakening because Megan Trainor's uh, album drops that day too. Best new artist winner at Megan Re- Trainor. Yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> M Train, as it says uh, on her album cover, which reminds me of um, Hard Candy when Madonna was going as M Dalla. Wow, dude, I, I, me, Lewis, I have forgotten she was Mandala. <laughs> Remember the like boxing gloves that she wore yes. during that era, and she had the like the the championship belt, and it said Mandala on it, and that was that was quite an era. And yet, she is still wearing the grills. So, did it ever end? Are we still in the era? Potentially. Listen, if you travel to um, Eastern Europe um, and wander down a. Um, one-way street you might still see a hard candy gym oh yeah and you might see one lone fan working out in it (laughs) next time i'm in whatever bucharest i'll look out for that (laughs) obviously you know the big thing of the night was Nicki minaj but before we get to that i want to talk about ll cool j hosting the vmas which was so funny to me because you know someone was like he's been hosting the grammys for years so what if we have him host the VMAs? It might add some prestige to this event. Right. It did not. No. <laughs> Meanwhile, LL Cool J just sort of like does his like affable, like I'll say the rock type stance. Like, hey, we're all excited to be here. And then walks out of the room. Like he's not really there to offer, <laughs> shall we say, insight. <laughs> and the fact that he was quote unquote co-hosting with Jack Harlow and Nicki Minaj I don't even know what that means. No, I, I do. There are '80s Oscar ceremony where you would have three ce- celebrities host. Like, there's one weird one where it's Jane Fonda, Robin Williams, and I think Paul Hogan. But like, and, and of course, we had the Oscars this year with uh, Amy Schumer and Regina Hall and Wanda Sykes. But that was really evenly divided. As in, in, in that case, those three were on the stage at the same time. Here, it was like. Was some of the, were some of these people pre-taped? It felt like people just appeared out of nowhere and were never in the same space together. And yeah, and it's it's not like it feels like COVID anymore because yeah, they're all just hanging out at the after party and shit, you know, without masks and everything. There weren't any masks at the show, so it really does feel like people showed up to do their obligation and then leave. And I can say this as someone who worked at MTV. The 2016 VMAs, you know, it's the big stars are there and then they walk the carpet, they sit there for the beginning of the show, and then they bounce. Yeah, right. Taylor was only there till the end because she was like, I'm going to release this um, 
album, so I'd better get some promo out for it. Right. No, I, I could. She, she she brought out her flapper dress, so I knew it was a big. It was going to be a big day. I will say uh, we can get to Nikki though. It was fun seeing Taylor um, dancing, you know, in the audience uh, as as we used to see at every goddamn award show. It felt quaint. Yeah. It felt, yeah, it felt, you're right. You know. <laughs> and also, it's been a long time since we've seen that. I mean, it was once upon a time you could you could count on her like putting one hand in the air and pretending like she was with her girls who were cast <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> Uh, if if she were still doing that now, Sydney Sweetie would definitely be one of her girls. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure she's gotten the email. Yeah. But um, no. And, and t- for there to be a moment where Taylor Swift takes a moment on stage to not just give a speech, but invoke Wikipedia facts about the award show, which she is sort of obsessed with doing. You know, like uh, there've never been four female nominees before. Like. Did, does her team assemble like a dossier of VMA facts and she picks the best ones? Yeah, so it it, it felt like you know um, the VM. It felt like an award show of um, pre-COVID times. You know, seeing Taylor dancing in the audience, and um, I thought Nikki was good. Oh yeah, me too. Again, like one of the few uh, kind of a Kiki Palmer type person where it's like she can't help but be interesting. If she's going to be on a stage, it's going to be entertaining. She's not going to like leave you hanging there or be boring, you know, or if things get boring, she'll announce that it's boring. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that um, I found her on the mic hosting more fun than the performance, if only because I felt like it sort of just rushed through her hits to get to Freaky Girl, and it didn't really... It didn't really give any of them the meat I felt like they deserved. Yeah, right. And, of course, we're not that huge a fan of Super Freaky Girl to begin with. So, climactically, it didn't work either. Yeah, I just felt, you know, like, the the vanguards usually have, like, some stars. Or, like, it's big. Or, like, you know, it's like, I'm thinking of Lemonade. You know? Yeah, I'm thinking right. of, uh, well, I guess she wasn't the vanguard that year, but it felt like it. Rihanna was the vanguard that year. That, the three right. different performances that, sh- that she did, like, that felt big when... Justin Timberlake had it, you know. Um, it was cute. Yeah, it felt, ve- uh, it felt very it truncated for a Vanguard win. Yeah. But yeah. by the way, that that award is also a reason for the ceremony to be because that's cool. Recognizing mm. an artist like several contributions to music videos over the year because obviously music videos are still huge. It's like this weird universe that we don't talk about a lot, even though they are they have millions and millions of hits. They're important, and yet. I don't know. It's like the artistry of them sort of washes right over us or it, we feel like the the era of videos is over somehow. Well, I think it's also just because the place where videos are big doesn't care enough to do an award show. YouTube. Yeah. If right, YouTube right. had an award show like and felt more like the VMAs like and like I feel like stars would show up because they put all their videos on YouTube. Like YouTube drives the actual video culture now, right? Yeah. MTV, right. Mm-hmm. who gives a fuck? But no, I, I I obviously have not seen the music video on MTV since roughly Lisa Loeb. Yeah. Do you even make money or does it even help you on the fucking charts? Like if your video is airing on TV anymore? I, I mean, 
apparently radio still matters in some metrics. So the answer is it could be, but I'm also in the I doubt it universe here. Yeah, I just feel like if it was the actual people where videos matter throwing an award show, like it would feel more important. But because it's MTV, who who gives a fuck about MTV anymore? Right, right, right. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. Also, we have to talk about another winner tonight. The best new artist winner was Dove Cameron. Ira, make it make sense. <laughs> Dove she, Cameron is a lovely performer. I remember her in Hairspray Live, correct? Yeah, she was in Hairspray Live. She's a former Disney person. And suddenly she was thanking queer people for her. Uh, she her, her new iteration needs to be explained to me. What is it? Go. I... Stan Dove Cameron. She's uh, she was great in Hairspray Live. Not saying she's not. Uh, her new song, uh, her her single boyfriend is was sort of the um, you know I'm here I'm maybe queer. Uh, I've got black hair now. Like you mm -hmm. know, like this sort of era that the girls always go through after a few years because she has been around for quite some yeah. time. Uh, which makes Best New Artist so hilarious. But, yeah, and uh, a dig a bit. We call this a Shelby Lynn victory. Remember the <laughs> 2001 Grammys. <laughs> um, the lyrics are like, I could be a better boyfriend than him. She's singing to like some girl that she wants to be with. So it's a good video. It's a good song. I think you'd oh, like okay. it. All right. I'll inspect that. In terms of wild things like that at the VMAs, I want to take some time to address... Um, the funniest thing of the night. Uh, and it's going to involve an explainer because I'm sure you know who none of these people are. Okay. Okay, one, you know Addison Ray at least. Oh, yes, I'm familiar. Yes. That's a TikTok uh, person. Yes, and she was in that awful movie, um, He's All That. Right. The which, remake of She's All That. Which She's All That, I'm going to say, is about a two-star movie to begin with. So we did not really <laughs> need to reinvestigate that. Uh, she's a TikToker who um, allegedly makes music, even though she has a lot of demos that are actually really fucking good and has never released them. Okay. They've all leaked at this point. Uh, and her music manager has blocked Addison Ray updates online um, because they keep harassing him about when the music is actually going to come out. Typical internet derangement. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, I'm going to describe her as the second coming of Lindsay Lohan due to her parents because oh. her mother went to the VMAs. Her mother, okay. Sherry Easterling, who's 42, went Perfect to the name. VMAs with a rapper named Young Gravy, who's 26. <laughs> Young Gravy, by the way, uh, I, I am absolutely disgusted that I knew all of this information without needing an explainer uh, while watching the VMAs. But Young Gravy is this like white rapper whose sort of whole thing is... Um, you know, he, like, gets with moms and, like, older women on TikTok, you know? Oh, okay. Uh, and I have inexplicably seen him live because he played at Coachella at the um, Rebecca Black and Friends set that we talked about when Rebecca Black was oh, on. Oh, yeah. With that Ty DJ'd. Uh, that Ty Sunderland DJ'd. Young Gravy was one of the people who came out to perform. So I've seen this man live. I follow uh -huh. him on Instagram. Uh, he's cute. 
Okay, and now he's partnered up with Addison Ray's mother. Mother. They were making out at the VMAs. He took her as his date. And cool. this happened because it's probably to get back at Addison Ray's father, um, who's 46, who is now um, having a um, affair, I guess, with a um, 25-year-old TikTok influencer. Okay, good. I love this family and the values they stand for. Yeah, they split up in the early 2000s, but got remarried in 2007. Um, but now they're like all a mess again. And this is giving me Michael and Dina Lohan. I mean, who else could it give you? Jesus, it's giving like all those fucking soaps you watch. Um, <laughs> No, you recognizing Young Gravy reminds me of when the name Gina Carano became well-known, and I just immediately said back, oh, you mean Crush from the 2008 American Gladiators reboot? Woof. <laughs> I want you Turns to out I was a stan. I want yeah. you to Google Young Gravy. Oh, my, okay, here I go right now. He has sort of a gib quality oh. to him. Yes, I, he, he, looks like a, he looks like if there was a fifth gib. Yeah, I think he's mm -hmm. cute. I mean, yeah, he looks cute. Or he looks he looks sort of like a like an eighth place Big Brother contestant. Absolutely, yes. What would he have saying on Motown night? Oh my god, an American Idol. Uh he would have been um ain't too proud to beg. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um anyway, that that was the most entertaining thing of the VMAs to me. Right. Okay. Glad to hear it. That's actual um, drama. That's actual like celebrities being messy and that is what i feel like the vmas used to deliver oh yes I, I mean when i think of the vmas i still think of things like the guy from rage against the machine climbing the design apparatus on stage and just sitting there i mean it was like a, a both an exciting and the chaotic time always a chaotic award show maybe the first chaotic award show and now we've got i don't know johnny depp dressed as the moon man oh yeah that that Which, was like, weird. And it also felt stupid because MTV clearly wanted to get the controversy of having Johnny Depp at the award show, but didn't want to actually like step their pussy up and invite him to the award show. Because I'm sure Taylor Swift would not have been there. Yeah, that is a good point. Yes. Um, also, if you ever want to ruin your day, click on any deadline article about Johnny Depp and read the comments. You will just not believe how still obsessed with this man and his renaissance like calling him a phoenix search his name yeah i mean don't do it don't do it someone commented he's done more this year than all of us have managed to do in our entire lives i wish he could teach us how to be so productive it's giving manson family uh, <laughs> why don't we find some self-esteem yeah Anyway, I, I, I thought that was weird, and it sort of also, like, went unannounced throughout the show, too. No, right. Because he just did weird interstitials, you know? So like, And they were, like, CGI, too, him in the Moon Man. So it, I was like, did people in the audience even know this was happening? Right. Yeah, who's to say? I mean, I don't really know what the audience saw. I felt very fragmented anyway. Uh, so anyway, he sucks. And also, MTV made up another award 
because what what the fuck were the Red Hot Chili Peppers doing there getting this award I've never heard of before? No. And also, is it just a rule that the Red Hot Chili Peppers have to close out your award show now? Like, and now the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It could be anything. It could be the Latin Grammys and they'll be there. (laughs) I do want to say. I like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, I think they have to be within my first 10 albums I ever bought. I bought Californication, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Yeah. I think they are have a pretty like unimpeachable um, discography up to Stadium Arcadium. The album I'm With You has like a few good songs on it, but then everything after it's a mess. And then now, of course, there's um, people resurfacing the fact that I guess Anthony Kiedis is um, creepy. Right. Yes. They have apparently a couple of dubious stories in their past, right? Yeah. And his whole autobiography, like, is about him, like, um, dating, like, younger women. So you could just publish an autobiography like that in, like, the early 90s and no one would care about it. Right. It was just <laughs> juicy as opposed to gross. But then the pandemic happened and people were like, look at these books on my shelf. Maybe I should reread them. <laughs> oh, that's what's in here? i'm just thinking about the fact that there are so many celebrity memoirs that probably have terrifying things in them that someone read at the time and the internet didn't exist so we didn't really talk about it but if you went back and revisited it you'd be like oh you're kind of an awful person no i'm i feel like this is the case with almost all memoirs we're gonna go through them eventually and learn Look what we passed up the first time in 19, you know, 85, whatever. Like, I feel like I see uh, uh, clips of Betty Davis online all the time right now in a, in a congratulatory way. And it's like, why don't we revisit her daughter's memoir once in a while and see, you know, h- how fun it was living with Betty Davis. But anyway. But anyway, as as um, one of my favorite tweets says, though, um, we're all the villain in someone else's story, but I don't give a fuck. beautiful thank you Aesop one of the last things I want to say about the VMAs is uh, Lizzo's acceptance speech was hilarious because she won won for um, best video for good and I love that in her acceptance speech she said I don't know what the fuck that means right (laughs) video for good what is that yeah And did uh, she make it for good? You didn't ask her that. Actually just making fun of the award show itself. And I like that she didn't address any of the fat shaming and like gross things that people have been saying about her in the press. She just basically quoted Nicki Minaj when she did her thing with Miley Cyrus before. She was like, and back to the bitches that had a lot to say about me in the press. Why yes. would I clap back? Because I'm winning. And of course, like it makes no sense for Lizzo to be addressing this to address like Kathy Hilton, like referring to her as precious on Watch What Happens Live. It's like it's beneath you. And some celebrities should just like not acknowledge things. Oh, uh, but before we move on, I do think the funniest moment of the VMAs and I almost forgot this. Oh, wait, Nikki? No. Oh, I thought it was Nikki referencing Whitney Houston's. um, You better lay low. Yes, right. No, that is funny. I mean, Nikki's funny. No, it was after Taylor Swift won video of the year. You hear a VO come on and says, 
Burger King congratulates Taylor Swift on her video of the year win. It was so funny. <laughs> also, it's like pre-recorded, so like clearly she knew she was winning video of the year. But like Burger King coming in and whispering like a killer in the night. <laughs> Congratulations. The actual Burger King was waiting in the wings yeah. like the Phantom. Yes. Arms folded. Yes. <laughs> I, w- I actually would love to see um, the Burger King as the Phantom and Taylor as Christine Daae. I think it, you sell in the room. I'm ready. Peacock? Who's Carlotta? Yeah. Ooh. Addison Rae. All right. <laughs> We're back. Keep it. And we are back with our favorite segment of the episode, Lewis. I think I already know what your keep is going to be. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if you did because it's so bad. <laughs> My keep it this week goes to Hold Me Closer by Elton John and Britney Spears. Guys, you're allowed to support Britney Spears. You're allowed to love Britney Spears. You can't be lying about the output of Britney Spears. This song fucking sucks. When I heard it, first of all, it's like, can we get another take on the vocals? Did Britney Spears have five minutes or something to record this? It sounds like a discarded Rugrats VO session. <laughs> it barely sounds like she's singing along with the song, which is, of course, very famous. It uses a riff from Tiny Dancer. But really, the main problem with this song, which is, of course, Britney's first release in a long time, is that in every way it's trying to recreate um, Cold Heart, the Dua Lipa Elton John song which is not just a good song it is an unusually transcendent song and revealed to me a kind of emotional quality in Dua Lipa's voice that I did not know previously existed um that song that comes on I mean it's the ultimate you know hot yoga cool down song right I feel like you can't not go to whatever uh a Bally's or a Orange Theory or something and hear that song it's so um, centering and lovely and is a brilliant riff on uh, Rocket Man. So, yeah, and in every way, this song is trying to recreate the magic of that, the kind of old and new. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Britney's work with uh, Giorgio Moroder on that album he did, 74 is the New 24. Mm, but that Tom's song Diner. is really, Yes, that I love. I love her version of Tom's Diner. But um, yeah, here it just... it. it it sounds really mishmashed together. It doesn't sound harmonious. It doesn't make the sample sound better. It doesn't make Britney sound good. When I'm saying to myself, wasn't Marin Morris available? You know, it's an unsuccessful recording. Well, Marin Morris is busy feuding with Jason Aldean's transphobic wife on Instagram. So she's, she's, a, little, she's a little busy. Okay. <laughs> Do the good work. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's bad. And yeah. The funny part about it is, obviously, we just had uh, the Barb's get super freaky go to number one, right? And we're in this era of stands mobilizing to make a number one on the Hot 100 happen. And it's been so funny seeing adult gay men our age (laughs) trying to get other people to listen to this song and trying to say it's good. uh, And it's not. Yeah, and it's I also poorly Britney. produced. It's poorly produced. Yeah, it seems thrown together. 
Yeah, right. He did a whole not, not album clever. with songs with, you know, like Charlie Puth and like Nicki Minaj and like other people, the one that Cold Heart's on. And those songs are good. This is, it should have stayed in the studio. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure they, they should have been able to hear, we made the attempt, it didn't happen, let's try inserting her in some other way. Where's the Don't Go Breaking My Heart with Britney Spears? She should be having fun on that one. Toasting mm. the spirit of Kiki D. You know what? I, they should have done Crocodile Rock, okay? I fucking love Crocodile Rock. Crocodile Don't, Rock do, is no, great. No one, nobody's bad-mouthing Crocodile Rock on this podcast. No, I fucking love that. And it's like, Britney is usually great at covers. I love her version of I Love Rock and Roll. I enjoy that song, yes. Um, my prerogative, I'm a fan. It's better than Bobby's. Mm, did I say that? I'm not sure about that. I said it. Oh, I love the original version. <laughs> Bobby Brown has some singles. Woof. Once Upon a Time, that was a definitive radio presence. I'm, I, I'm not supporting anything else about him, but some of the songs were great, Once Upon a Time. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ira, yeah. what is your keep it this week? My keep it goes to Kyle on Big Brother season 24. Oh, what a mess. I'm actually a few episodes behind, so you'll have to update me on what exactly is happening with him. So... The Big Brother house is notoriously racist uh, and has been for years. And then last year, obviously, the cookout formed, which was an alliance of all the black housemates um, on the season. And they sort of aligned because they didn't really a lot of them didn't care who won. They just wanted a black person to be in the finals for once and to actually win the show. And also, Uh, this was like one of the first years where. This was even possible because there's usually so many white cast members um, that an alliance of like minority cast members simply couldn't occur. Right. And it's also like it also brings out like the crazy racist Big Brother fans who are like, this is the first time an alliance was ever created based on race. And it's like, all right, like there are there are 22 prior seasons where. Majority alliances in the house were all white, but you, but because they didn't specifically say we're not adding this black person into the alliance because they're black, (laughs) uh, it wasn't racist. And I'm not saying every big alliance on Big Brother has always been racist, but it's like when you have people like the Blontourage or like the Brigade, you know, or like, you know, that one Italian one, which is basically a white alliance too. Okay. I don't know how many black. Italians, except for Othello, <laughs> the Moor of Venice. Okay. Oh my God, Lawrence Olivier, did we wake you? Okay. Um, you're basically had alliances where people were like, "We're so similar, let's join together." You know, but you know, as soon as black people say the word "black," as soon as they acknowledge race, yeah, all right. of a sudden racism exists. It's aggression. Yes, yes. right, and you know. Way people have been able to be racist on the show without having to say the word, you know? Um, yeah, they're and, already centered on the show racially, so they don't even have to bring up race as a construct again. Right? But you know what the cookout did? The cookout took a page from Lady Gaga's GUI, and they said, I'm going to say the word. <laughs> and the word is I racism. So, I'm gl- yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got something from that era. They spent a lot of money on that video. Uh, But this season, there are a few black cast members and then some non-black cast members. Like there's a Middle Eastern cast member, Joseph. Um, There's a Latina cast member, Indy. Um, Kyle, this Mormon white boy in the house, um, 
was a part of this alliance called the Leftovers. And there were black people in the alliance, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were formed because they felt like Taylor, one of the black women in the house, was being unfairly bullied by other people in the house. So then, as this alliance forms, Kyle starts having conversations with two other white housemates, Michael and Brittany, about how he suspects there is an alliance forming in the house between all of the non-white people. And he doesn't say, let's form an all-white alliance specifically, but he keeps saying that he feels like all of these people are working together in the house, and the only thing that connects them is that they're not white. Right. And he doesn't have any actual evidence to support this, but also it's interesting because paranoia is sort of what makes this game run, period. So. Mm -hmm. Like the nature of what he's saying is not unfamiliar or even unusual in a Big Brother situation. But for it to be specifically about only minority cast members in the house with no information is, uh, I guess we don't have another word for it, problematic. And like, it's one of those things where you just want to say, can you hear yourself? Like, can you hear what you're saying? Like, you're, you're putting a voice to a thing that rarely goes said on Big Brother. In fact, I think in years to come, we will be grateful that this happened because it's like uh, 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 crystallizing a feeling everybody has about why people stick together on Big Brother. Right. And more to that, you know, he would call like Monty, one of the black housemates this season, uh, like aggressive and angry. And it's Monty does nothing all day. No, right. I, I forget he's in the house most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's also him coming up with, you know, like descriptors for the black housemates and, you know, implying that they're like um, either aggressive or loud or like his biggest threats in the house while talking to Michael, the white um, man in the house who has the most competition wins this season. Right. You're talking to the actual biggest threat this season. Also, again, it reminds me of uh, uh, my friend Andy, who was on years and years ago. People would just kind of come up to him and like give information in a way where or like they would express paranoia in a way where they're not realizing this person is going to use this information against you. Like you think you have a confidant with you and this person is gaming you like Michael is a way smarter cast member than this guy is. Right. And also, speaking of Andy, you know, his season of Big Brother was 15, the one with the Blondtourage, which was probably the actual most racist season of Big Brother Uh, and homophobic. And the awful part about this show, too, is that they will cover up things that we see on the live feeds, which you can watch 24-7. Versus what they edit into the actual show. So you had people saying like faggot in the house um, that we didn't see on air. They had to air the racism because people were talking about it so much. But like Andy endured stuff in the house or like things were even said about him when he wasn't in the room. And it never made it to the actual show. And Andy has also pointed out that like Jeff um, of the couple Jeff and Jordan from Big Brother, um, this white couple um, that, you know, like got to the final two and then like Jordan won and then Jeff won. Um, He has said awful homophobic shit on the show that CBS never aired. And then because the audience loves him because they've never seen this, um, 
he has had to sit there like in interviews with this person because he's interviewing the house guests. It's like he's being interviewed by this person that he knows is homophobic, but CBS has never chosen to air it. And so my keep it is to Big Brother and their need to sort of like protect um, people that they want to be stars like Kyle, who's this cute white boy who they, you know, clearly wanted to position as like a star of the season, especially because he's in a showmance with this girl, Alyssa, to the point where they weren't airing any of those conversations that he was having about the all-white alliance that he wanted to form. And so people started the hashtag, Stop Protecting Kyle, and the funnier one, KK Kyle. (laughs) 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 KK Kyle is so funny to me. Um, To the point. uh, And now that um, two house guests actually brought up... um, the fact that he was saying these things in the house and it's actually become a conversation and now he's on the block and he will probably go home this week. Um, mm. But I'm still recovering from Joseph going home. I thought he was playing a good game, was under the radar for a while. And that then, was a stupid but twist. Yeah. Oh, I know. That twist was very bizarre. Um, they like to do these things on the show too where they'll have like an insane twist just for the drama but it's like it screws over people's games in a non-interesting way. Like you're not seeing right. anybody battle to win like you would on survivor you're just seeing oh okay now these numbers have shifted and this person's gonna go home right right um but anyway they they are actually having conversations about racism on the feeds now um the problem is that like cbs has been cutting out the feeds so we're not seeing all of these conversations and i'm wondering if they're all gonna actually make it to air because the problem is now that the house guests have addressed this on camera uh, and it is actually part of the reason Kyle is nominated. CBS is now going to have to air the conversations that they chose not to air earlier in the season to protect oh, him. But they probably will. You yeah. know, I mean, like, I mean, even um, you remember d- during our, our friend Andy's season, Julie Chen Moonves confronted Aaron when she left the house and went like step by step through all the things she had said that were racist. Um, I feel like now when a conversation builds and gets to this volume, they have no choice and will do it. Yeah. That clip is so funny, by the way. Well, she fucking carved her up. It was not normal. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, I, I don't feel like I said anything racist in the house, you know, whatever. And um, Julie's reading it. You told the Asian cast member, go make some rice. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, very like, like a reporter, like actual yeah. uh, investigative journalism. To, remember when she used to do that? Yes. That's oh, when she uh, was quite. Julie Chen. Now she's Julie Chen Moonves. So, who knows? Things have changed. No, it's a very strange situation with uh, Julie on that show. But Anyway, it's a long overdue conversation about Big Brother, but I know that you watch it as well. So, Oh, yeah. I can't stop. I can't be stopped. <laughs> uh, well, that's our show. Thank you to Jennifer Lewis for joining us. And remember to check out full episodes of Keep It on the Uncultured YouTube channel. And regarding five-star reviews, we want them. So please rate and review Keep It on your podcast platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you want. Scream it for all I care. And I do care. And uh, we'll see you next week. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Fertel. Our editor is Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. 
Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Malconian, and Delon Villanueva for production support every week. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.